We are continuing with our new series, Encountering Jesus, or Encounters with Jesus. John chapter 1, from verse 43 to verse 51. For those of you that are joining us for the first time, here at Southside Bible Fellowship, we believe that since the Bible is God's word, and we are God's children, then the Bible is God's word for us. Please pray with me. Father, we come before you again this morning thanking you for this privilege to worship you and to hear from you. We thank you that we can call you our Father and that we are not ashamed of being your children. And Father, you know those among us who are yet to believe in your Son, Jesus Christ. And we pray for them that your Holy Spirit may convict them and cause them to believe this morning so that together we can be in one family and that you can continue to be glorified through us and with us in Jesus' name. Amen. So Jesus is calling his disciples he first finds Andrew, and then Andrew finds his brother Peter. And in our text here, he finds Philip. We are told in verse 43, the next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee, finding Philip. And he said to Philip, follow me. In verse 44, Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathaniel and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. So Jesus finds Philip and Philip after finding Jesus because this is what happens he finds us and then we find him. We begin to experience him. Philip decides to share the message. So he finds Nathaniel. He tells him, we have found him. We have found the one whom Moses and the prophets talked about. Jesus of Nazareth. Now, Jesus was born in Bethlehem, but he was raised up in Nazareth. 
That's why he was known as Jesus of Nazareth. Also to distinguish him from all the other Jesus that were there. We have found the one. Nathaniel listens to Philip and he asks a very kind of good question. He asks, can anything good come from Nazareth? You know, when Philip tells Nathaniel that the one whom Moses and the prophets talked about, Nathaniel is supposed to know. He's supposed to know because he is an Israelite. He knew about the Messiah. So Philip expects him to understand what he's talking about. But even though Nathaniel was familiar with the Old Testament scripture, he wasn't familiar here we see. He is not familiar with the power of God. When he says, can anything good come from Nazareth, it's like it's impossible for God to bring something from there. He doesn't understand that God delights in using the weak things of this world. He doesn't understand that God has a way of bringing something out of nothing. You know, Nazareth wasn't famous for producing celebrities. It was a small town. And so Nathaniel is skeptic here. How can a good thing come from Nazareth? And Philip, Philip could have begun an argument right there, trying to prove to him that it is possible for a good thing to come from Nazareth. He could have done it, but he avoids it. He says to Nathaniel, come and see. Come and see. He invites him to come and experience it for himself. And you know, sometimes that's the best response when we are reaching out, when we are sharing the gospel. Sometimes the best response is just come and say. We are tempted to want to argue and defend our faith and show how much we know about God and the Bible. But sometimes it's just come and say. And when Philip tells Nathaniel, come and see, he doesn't... Let him go. He leads him. He walks with him to Jesus Christ. You know, sometimes you just need 
to tell your friend, your neighbor, come with me to our worship service this morning. Come with me to our Bible study this evening. Come with me to our connection branch, our small group. Just, just come and see. Come and see is a, an invitation to experience Jesus for ourselves. So Nathaniel comes and he sees Jesus. In verse 47, when Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Jesus says, Ha ha, there is an Israelite here. Uh, he, he was as, as good as an Israelite could be. And Jesus acknowledges that. And Nathaniel looks at Jesus and he asks another question. How do you know me? How do you know me? Can someone guide that lady to the nursery? We, we have people in the nursery. Or you can take the, the child too. <laughs> How do you know me? And Jesus says, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. See, if Nathaniel was an American, he would have said, have you been following me? Are you stalking me now? Are you a psychic or something? Jesus tells him, I saw you when you were under the fig tree. This tells me that when Nathaniel came to Jesus, Jesus was expecting him. What was he doing under the fig tree? You know, people go under a tree for, for a shed, right? To sometimes to isolate themselves because there's something troubling them. They just want to be alone or sometimes because they are depressed or even suicidal. It's lonely under the fig tree. Maybe Nathaniel was meditating on the Old Testament scripture. Maybe he was thinking about his life. Maybe he was in a state of depression or something was disturbing him. We don't know. But we know that he was under a fig tree and Jesus was looking at him. He, he may have thought that he was alone, 
but Jesus saw him. And so when he's coming to Jesus, he finds Jesus expecting him, waiting for him. This is always the case when we go before the Lord. This is always the case even when we bring our petitions to God. He says in Matthew chapter 6 verse 7 and 8, Jesus is speaking. He says, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. Listen to this part. For your father knows what you need before you ask. There is no prayer that you will bring to God that will surprise him. When Nathaniel comes to Jesus, Jesus was ready for him because he saw him when he was under the fig tree. Before Philip told him, we have found the one, Jesus was looking at him. Some of us here are under a fig tree. We are in pain. Some of us are worried about life. Some of us are facing relationship conflicts, fear. We shed tears because of what's happening to us. Some of us are lonely. We are under a fig tree. And it feels so lonely. We are depressed. But Jesus is looking at us. He is fully aware of everything that is happening in our lives. And if you are a believer, he is not only looking at you, he is with you. He is walking that journey with you. And sometimes we may forget that. Sometimes it may feel so lonely that if we think we are alone, but as a child of God, you are never alone. His spirit is always, is, is always with you. And he has promised never to leave you. Amen. I said here, Some months ago, that at times we need to remind ourselves of the presence of Jesus Christ. When you are seated in your living room, try, try to imagine Jesus sitting in one of your couches. 
When you're in the kitchen preparing something, try to imagine Jesus standing right there before you, preparing whatever you are preparing with you. When you are in pain, you are on your bed and you are shedding tears, imagine Jesus sleeping right beside you, crying with you because he cries with us. His eyes are always on his people. And so he tells Nathaniel, I saw you. And Nathaniel says, he confesses, he declares, his eyes are opened. In verse 49, Rabbi, you are the son of God. At this point, it doesn't matter to Nathaniel where Jesus is coming from. All that matters is who he is. You are the son of God, the king of Israel. You are the one. See, every time we encounter Jesus, there is a revelation. And every time you lead someone to Christ, you point them to Christ, you walk with them to experience Jesus Christ, every time you are involved in that process, you also encounter Jesus. Can you imagine what's happening to Philip when he sees this happening? He must be overjoyed. He's also experiencing another encounter as Nathaniel and Jesus encounter one another. You are the son of God. And Jesus is the son of God. He, he is the Messiah. He is the promised one. The lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is our all sufficient savior from whom all our blessings flow. He is the only one that we need. And when you turn to him today, you will find him expecting you. And Jesus responds to Nathaniel's confession. He says, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. And that's the, the joy that we carry with us. You experience Christ the first time and that experience continues. As we grow in this relationship, we know him more and we know ourselves even more. And Jesus is telling Nathaniel, you haven't seen anything yet. This is just the beginning. And he tells him you very truly 
I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. He is pointing him to the Old Testament where Jacob had a dream and he saw a ladder and the angels coming down and, and going up. You know, Jesus is the ladder that connects us with heaven. He says in John chapter 14 verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except by me. He is the mediator. There is no other way. There is only one way, and that one way is Jesus Christ. He's the one that connects us with the Father. There's no prophet. There is no any other religious founder that can claim to connect people with God, that can claim to be the way, the truth, and the life. It's only Jesus. I, I like the song, Anthony, Give Me Jesus. I don't know where you are in life. I don't know what's going on in your life. But regardless of who you are and where you are in your life, Jesus is looking at you right now. If you believe him, if you have a relationship with him, he is with you right now. And if if you have a relationship with him, what I'm saying is just a reminder to you. You just needed to be reminded that he is with you because sometimes the pressures of this world can make us forget. But if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you are not saved. You know from your heart you cannot claim to be his son or his daughter this morning. He's looking at you because he loves you. And when you turn to him, he will be expecting you. It's so different when you're expecting someone and when someone comes by surprise. I've seen it with my family when we are expecting visitors and the time has come for them to arrive. We are looking through the window and when we see a car pulling up, you will hear my children saying, they are here, they are here. You know, it's time to... And when they come in, even before they knock, we open the door because we are expecting them. And this is what happens with us. 
If you are here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, just know that he is expecting you. When you turn to him, you will find him waiting for you. He has already prepared everything that you and I need. We are told in Isaiah chapter 53, this is a very good passage. 53 verse 6 and 7, that all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned each one of us to his own way, and the Lord has laid upon him, Jesus Christ, the iniquity of us all. I remember, every time I read this passage, I'm, I'm reminded of an experience with my son, Wilji, when he was three years old, and I was teaching him to memorize Bible verses, and this is one of the verses he was memorizing, and one day he came, he was so excited, he wanted to memorize the verse, and he told me, I have, I, I know it now. I said, oh, go ahead. And he said, the first part, he said, all we like sheep have gone to Australia. <laughs> and I looked, well, this is the, when, it's, it's okay to laugh, but as a father, <laughs> at that point, I didn't know what to do. Because laughing would have been a discouragement. So I looked at him, and I'm laughing in my heart. And I'm like, Will G, we haven't gone to Australia. <laughs> we have gone astray. We are lost. We have turned away from God. But let me tell you, even if we had gone to Australia, he would have still found us there. The message that I have for you, for those who don't have a relationship with Jesus, is that through Jesus Christ, God has provided Away. He says in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, that God has demonstrated his love towards us in that while we were still sinners, when we didn't care about him, when we never paid attention to him, Christ died for us. The death of Jesus Christ on the cross is a demonstration of God's love for you and me. Salvation is a bloody affair. Nothing, nothing can wash away our sins apart, of, apart from the blood of Jesus Christ. Nothing can make us clean except the blood of Jesus Christ. His death on the cross is a demonstration of God's love for you and me. He died so that we can have life. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, just know that he loves you. 
And when you turn to him, he will be expecting you. Let me give you two lessons here and uh, I will be done. The first lesson we learn from this account is that Jesus is closer to us even when he seems far away. He is closer to us. He saw Nathaniel when he was under the fig tree. There will be moments in your life and some of us have experienced this where it will seem like God is so far away from you. You will try to pray and it will feel so lonely. When that happens, just to remind yourself that even when it feels like he's far away, he will be very, very close to you. Number two, the Lord is active in our lives even when we don't see him. He's active in our lives even when we don't see him. It is very easy for us to, to forget this. Very easy. But he's always working around us. He's always doing something around us. He's always active in our lives. And when we remind ourselves of this truth, we will experience him. We will find ourselves turning to him, expecting him to show up all the time because he is always with us. A believer needs to remind themselves, herself, himself, that the Lord is active in his life, in her life. As a believer, everything you are doing, remind yourself. That the Lord is active in your life. He, it, it, there will be moments that it will feel like he's asleep. You are calling on him and he's not responding. Like the disciples when they faced the storm. There will be moments that you'll find yourself wanting to try things on your way because God doesn't seem to care anymore. When you find yourself in that spot, remind yourself that he is active in your life and instead of paying attention to other things, turn your attention to him and he will be expecting you. He is closer 
and he is active. And when we turn to him, he will be expecting us. See, when we, when we share the gospel, when we reach out to the lost, we may be tempted to want to argue. Philip avoided that. One of the things that we need to do is to show genuine concern and love. Because our desire is for them to experience Jesus Christ. I have seen this at work recently with uh, my brother who has now become my friend, Mark. We went with Mark last Sunday to visit some of the homeless camps. And I was more of a spectator but I saw the gospel in action. When Mark and his wife and his mother, who is 89 years, some of us should be ashamed, really. Going to this homeless camp of one after another and... and giving out stuff, you know, water and food and tents. But I remember Mark saying in one of the homeless camps, we are not just doing this thing so that you may think we are good. We are not just giving out stuff. We are doing this because God loves you and we love you and we want you to know him. I was like, wow. And then in another place, we were talking, we were sharing the gospel with these guys and there was another guy who was shedding tears. His name is uh, Magu. And this touched my heart when uh, Nana went with, I mean, with her walk stick to Magoo and hugged him. And then she began to whisper the gospel in his ears. And I was like, wow. I wish I had my phone here to take these photos and When you have encountered God's power, God's grace, and God's presence, like Philip, your heart will desire to see others experience the same. Even when you are 89 years old, And for those of us that are probably asking, what happened to me? I don't know. But this is what I know. 
when we turn to Christ, sincerely, he will be expecting us. Whatever it is that we bring before him, the questions that we have, the doubts that we have about him and about ourselves, the fears that we are facing, the concerns that we have for our loved ones who don't know him, the questions we are asking about our relationships, about our future, when we bring all those questions, all those fears, all those doubts to Jesus Christ, we will find him expecting us, waiting for us, because he is ready to minister to us. And therefore, my encouragement to you this morning, if you don't know Jesus, if he's not your savior, you don't have a relationship with him, turn to him this morning. Don't let this chance pass. Sometimes the chance you have is the only chance you've got. Turn to him. Just tell him, Jesus, I have gone astray. I am a sinner. I'm lost. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. Please forgive me and save me. And if you say that prayer from your heart, you don't need someone to come and pray with you. You need to say that prayer on your own to the Lord. From your heart, he promises to save you. He will be expecting you. And then he will begin to transform you from inside. I have seen God transform people that no one thought they were transformable. I don't know if there is a word like that. I have seen God deliver people from addictions instantly. But I've also seen him deliver people in a process. Whichever way he does it, that's up to him. All we need to do is turn to him in faith. If you have a relationship with Jesus... Just be reminded that he is with you in the presence of the Holy Spirit. But also be reminded that he wants you to be involved. Just as he has found you, you need to find someone else. And when we turn to him, he will be expecting us. Today, if someone asks you, what did the pastor preach about? Just tell them, he told us, when we turn to Jesus, he will be expecting us. Father, I want to thank you for your love for us. I want to thank you for the promises that we have from you. Thank you for your faithfulness. For the good plans, the opportunities that you give us to worship you and praise you and point others to you. Thank you for the encouragement that we receive from you every morning. 
Some of us have been discouraged by so many things. Thank you for the hope that you've given us, Lord, because there is a lot of despair out there. Thank you for keeping us together and for reminding us that you are with us and that you will never leave us. Thank you for reminding us that we can always turn to you. Father, I want to pray for that one person here who is yet to have a relationship with you through Jesus Christ. Pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit may convict that person and enable her or him to take that one step because you've taken the rest of the steps. And that may be a beginning of a new journey for them. And whichever way, Lord, you want to use us alongside them, my answer is yes. May you be glorified in the lives of your people. For every family, every home that is represented here this morning, I pray, Father, that you may show yourself strong on their behalf. That, Lord, they may encounter you afresh. And in wherever they are in life, they may experience you and you may accomplish through them what you intend to accomplish in Jesus' name. May everyone say, Amen.